Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, over there in Oak Ridge, where I was uh, over the weekend. I went to Buffalo Mountain Grill. Not a sponsor. Could be a sponsor. Great, great stuff over there. You Is can that get off of? Um... There's like a really weird street name over there. It's like science.gov road or something. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not sure what uh, road it's off of, but it's not a lot else is going on. I mean, it's right there near downtown yeah. uh, Oak Ridge, but one of my favorite spots actually in East Tennessee because they have like wild boar hot dogs. They have uh, elk hot dogs. They have all kinds of just different kind of game meat and it's top notch stuff. I, I'm all in on that sort of thing. I'll give it a try soon. It's, uh, that sounds very interesting. That could be our double date. Yeah, there you go. At Buffalo the, Mountain, the Buffalo Grill. Mountain Grill mm-hmm. on a on science.com highway or whatever it is. Uh, there should be there really should be more mm. roads. That's the first one I've ever seen in my life named after a website. Uh, <laughs> and I, it has to be because it's like a headquarter or something. Mm-hmm. But I'm th- there has to like, why isn't it like ESPN.com road in Connecticut or whatever? That's a good question. So there, you could have that. You could have a news sentinel mm-hmm. highway or something. Mm-hmm. I think they just and have knoxnews.com, right? And that was that one is. Yeah, who knoxnews not? It is knoxnews.com, right? They changed the yeah. name. Mm-hmm. So there you go, knoxnews.com road. Mm-hmm. Got you got all all sorts of ones you could uh, you could run with. If it was like a grand to do statsbywill.substack.com somewhere in Oak Ridge, would you do it? A grand is a lot. I don't. I don't really like seeing my name out and about. Mm. Uh, that would be kind of strange to it, like. Well, just imagine being me and I run a lot, and then you're like, "Oh, time to run on my own road." I would feel like such a loser, but, but also such a winner at the same time. I was going to say it's kind of a little bit of both there, Will. <laughs> I don't know, but then you, you never know. It's like it's the whole Twitter blue thing. It's like, did he pay for that, or yeah. are they just really proud of Will for being um, the best college basketball writer on the internet, and they just wanted to recognize him for it? It's for sure a more Twitter blue thing. That mm. it's like, did you ever see that video of a, a guy filming people in Boston at the bar, like as mm. COVID was really starting to hit in March 2020, Mm-mm. and they're like, "Yeah, look at all of us at the bar in Boston, you freaking loser!" And they're like calling him all these names and slurs, <laughs> and it's like it's horrible, but it's really funny. And I think that is the treatment I would get if I ever had a road named after me. Mm. Well, you know, we I think we have some time before we have to make these kind of calls. But, I mean, <laughs> it is, many are saying that Will and I are in this uh, long-term competition to see who can get a Knoxville <laughs> road named after them sooner rather than later. Will it be me? Will it be Will? Stay tuned for more here on the Jason's <laughs> Podcast. We'll, we'll update you guys uh, week over week on how that's going. Will, is that a Detroit Mercy shirt you're wearing right now? That is. I've, I've had it for like 12 years, and I break it out occasionally. Feels like the right time to do it now. Twelve that, years. Yeah. That shirt looks very like colored in. Like that does not look so like it's it, got many washes. Do you wash it? Yeah, every, I don't wear it all the time. This I was gonna say like that looks incredible condition shirt. for like a decade. Will? Yeah. Well, twenty eleven. So yeah, I bought it. I think I bought it like when they made the tournament, 2011, mm-hmm. 2012, whatever year it was where they played Kansas. It was okay. like Ray McCallum was the was the big guy. But uh, I, I don't know. I liked it. It was, it was like a 15 buck purchase on Fanatics. And it's the one piece of Fanatics gear that has aged well in my closet. Mm. Not to, I, I got to be careful. Fanatics might be a future sponsor. So you, okay. that, that's I, one I that's big enough down. that I got to be careful. I love my Fanatics gear <laughs> from the 2022 SEC Tournament Championship. 
<laughs> Will would do great for a number of reasons with ads because like Will would I don't know if anyone would ever know if you're doing a bit or not. Like you would just do any ad yeah. for Will. I would never know if you're being genuine or not. The the best ad reads I've found are the ones on uh, the Flipping the Field podcast. They are they're mm. sponsored by Home Field Apparel. But uh, multiple times they've promoted the the Home Field Apparel Latina collection, mm-hmm. which is really good. There's the uh, they they had a bit where they devolved into the Bruce Feldman's Freaks list, but it was for the most racist coaches. And mm. I think that would be an amazing article. That would be good. Not number one is that Iowa strength coach. That would uh, make sense. He's not working because remember Surely he almost got hired gone, as the right? Jags Surely. strength coach or on Next urban staff coach. and then people were like why are you hiring this guy and then he was <laughs> oh, <yeah>. like, mm-hmm. <laughs> forgot about that yeah that oh man the the year of urban Meyer in jacksonville what a time hmm. um well a lot of tennessee stuff to talk about on this program before we get into the nits and bolts but you wrote a good piece on the loss of sakai ziegler and what tennessee's going to look like uh following his uh season ending torn acl injury i will say like in the moment i didn't think it was his knee like i understand he buckled but like the way it happened i was like that looked more like an ankle thing to me or like a foot thing the way he fell the way he got caught up because it did go like this a little bit Mm -hmm. and usually like we've become so accustomed to seeing guys get up and like walk on their own accord when they've uh popped an acl where they just walk off and they're just fine and they're not just in like screaming pain so i Weirdly, I was like, oh, this might not be as bad, or it might just be a knee sprain. It might not be as bad as like the 20s, because that's just not usually what it looks like. And then you see it um, today, recording this on a Thursday afternoon, and that is the case. But it's it's rough um, for the Tennessee Vols. It's rough. I mean, he obviously has led the team in assists and has been such an important player to Tennessee over the last two years. Um, but when you dove into it, like Tennessee obviously responded in a really strong way, and it kind of speaks to what we've said in the last few weeks, where it's like, Tennessee's culture is top notch and the guys are just, they are bend, don't break. And they could have broken multiple times this year, did not do so. They rallied around uh, these guys um, and did it. I mean, I think for Zakai with how well they played in that second half, um, just kind of like, Hey, he's gone or like this. We all want to do this for Zakai and against the top 15 Kimpom Arkansas team. And I don't know. I just, it's weird because something I'm, I, I don't know if you share this sentiment, but kind of like before I get into that, like how would you uh, describe based on what you saw without Zakai for a major amount of time uh, on uh, Tuesday night because he did go down the first two minutes? And then what did you find uh, in the piece that people can go read at statsbywell.substack.com? Well, I think like during the Arkansas game, so obviously it happens and it's, it's extraordinarily depressing to see unfold because Zakai is, I mean, at minimum, one of the three most beloved basketball vols of probably 30 plus years. Mm. If not for, I think it's him, Grant Williams, and Chris Lofton. And that might be the complete list. I, hmm. I'm not sure I would put anyone else above. He's, he's on like that Denard Robinson level for Tennessee fans, I would say. We're just like unconditional love no matter what he does or where he goes. Uh, and a lot of guys don't really get that. So. Mm. To see him go down, obviously crushing. And Grant Ramey really said it best, and I would agree with him. I don't think I've ever heard the arena that quiet. Hmm. Like, after after he went down, it, w- it was, like, shockingly, uh, you know, silent. Like, you could hear a pin drop. The only people talking were the announcers, which, eh, don't blame them. That's what they have to do. Um, but 
the way Tennessee recovered from that was really impressive. I mean, you know, like we mentioned, people are going to, you know, say, oh, Arkansas, you know, 19 and 11, 19 and 10, something like that. But I mean, there's a lot of crappy teams in college basketball this year. They're not bad. I mean, they're top 20 in Ken Palm for a reason. They entered with a top 10 defense. Tennessee put up the the fourth best offensive efficiency against an Arkansas or against Arkansas in any game this year. Held Arkansas to their second lowest offensive efficiency. I mean, a kind of stunning performance in a way. And it really, without garbage time, could have been worse. Tennessee led seventy two forty eight with four minutes left. I mean, it could have been a twenty five point win if a couple mm-hmm. couple shots go differently. But uh, I think, regardless, like you said, speaks to the culture, speaks to what Rick Barnes has built. And like, yeah, Tennessee didn't shoot very well from three, but I thought it was kind of surprising in the moment and not until after I looked at the data did it really lock in for me just how good Tennessee was at the rim and in the paint against an Arkansas defense that has generally been really good as a two point Mm -hmm. defense this year. But it, it was like the second that happened, Tennessee realized, hey, they really don't have a guy that can check Olivier Kamwa without getting in foul trouble. They really don't have anybody who can cover Josiah Jordan James off these screens unless they want to commit fouls. They don't really have, strangely enough, anybody who can stop a Waka on the boards or, you know, keep I do from doing his thing offensively. Mm. And for some reason, it was like Tennessee realized their path forward immediately, which is you're going to have to be uh, just, you know, home wreckers on the boards, which they have been most of the season anyway. You're going to have to play your normal tough-as-nails defense. But uh, I thought the thing that stood out to me most is, you know, just 16 three-point attempts. It's one of mm-hmm. the lowest numbers of the whole season. Um, and when I looked into the data, you know, a couple of things stood out. And I, I kind of wrote this piece for a couple of reasons. One, I was curious. And two, uh, I, I'm going to admit, I was getting a little tired of the national media rush to declare Tennessee season over mm-hmm. uh, when we have seen this exact scenario play out like every single year with just fill in a blank for like every year a team picks up an injury in January, February, and everyone's like, Oh God, this is it. They're not going to do it. And then, you know, suddenly they perform just the same as they would have anyway in March. Mm -hmm. We saw it with Houston last year. We saw it with Michigan and Villanova in 2021. We've seen it a bunch over the last decade. So I wrote it out. Number one, Tennessee is actually statistically better when Ziggler's off the court, which I do find a little hard to believe, but Like I said, the key thing when he's off the court is Tennessee becomes a lot more threatening down low, Mm -hmm. which I think is just by virtue of removing a five foot nine player from the game. They're a lot more dominant on the boards and a thing that I didn't expect. But, you know, when you think about it a little bit, it makes some amount of sense. Uh, They foul much less. Hmm. I mean, we've seen uh, and Kevin Sweeney, who I like quite a bit as a writer, uh, did point this out in his piece. Like he said, you know, Tennessee's generally been at their best when Ziggler's been at his best, which don't totally disagree. But Ziggler did play Tennessee out of some games too. Really, mm-hmm. really bad performance against AM, very poor against Kentucky both times out, nearly lost them the Auburn game at home. You know, great player, beloved player, but he's not perfect. And that's mm-hmm. okay. He doesn't have to be. But the stat I looked up before his injury. Uh, in Tennessee's losses this year, Ziggler had committed 4.7 fouls per 40. Hmm. Tennessee's wins 2.6. Wow. And so removing that from the team and, you know, put, you know Tyreek, he's not a very good defender in his stead. But, you know, Jemai Meshack doesn't foul as much as that. Vescovy mm-hmm. definitely doesn't. 
So you wonder if Tennessee can, assuming they don't get an absolute zero to replace the lost production, more or less stay about what they were, you know. They are not going to rely on the three as much, but I think they have a new formula for finding success, and we saw it Tuesday night in a uh, you know situation where they had no time to prep for it. And I think one of the things we'll see is I think we'll see more variety. Like Ziegler does more of the Kyrie Irving thing inside where he drives, and Kyrie doesn't look to get fouled when he gets inside the lane like he's just looking to pass like he's just he's comfortable under the basket when things get tight but he's looking to do a little wrap around to euros or jonas when he's inside or find somebody in the corner this that and the other he's not looking to go up and get fouled um which is what Kyrie is just an unbelievable artist at inside it's just like you think you have him and then there's just like that was his calling card in cleveland and everything else it's just he is so crafty with the basketball and his handles and zakai is the same way which is his craftiness inside and never a play never being over uh with zakai however i think and part of this is just that like getting julian phillips back julian is the best at drawing fouls right like that is an important part of this and he, quietly it might be tennessee's best defender yes like, I think that's an underrated part of what happened on Tuesday that I hope people are... In. Like, I, Julian Phillips is an incredibly important piece uh, come tournament time and just what Tennessee... Like, the best version of Tennessee has to include um, Julian Phillips. And part of it, what I was thinking about, like, people are focusing on Jemai Meshach having five assists. And, yeah, he'll probably be okay um, as a distributor. Like, you don't want him bringing up the ball a bunch. But the variety where Julian Phillips, I think, is going to go to the line more because I think he's going to have to bring the ball up more. And I think Tennessee is going to have guys like when Josiah Jordan-James brings the ball up, when Vescovy... Like, I think we're going to see the foul because that's something that they struggle with is they don't go to the line very often. Um, mm-hmm. And part of that was because they've become so reliant on threes. But part of it is because Zakai is so good at setting up those guys on three-point looks that, like, getting... Re- like, removing someone like Sakai because no one else was a distributor like Sakai from this lineup, I think you're going to see Tennessee get to the line significantly more with who they're going to have bringing the ball up with Meshack who gets to the line and he's going to be a man on a mission inside. We'll see if he's able to keep doing that. I, my, my gut tells me threes go down and they draw a lot more fouls. And I think the defense is a lot better because you just put Meshack in that Ziegler role to start these games like you just have five guys who can defend multiple positions. And I think, I mean, already the best defense in the country. I, I don't see a slip at all. Even when people look at the steals and stuff, I think the defense actually might be better. Yeah, I, I think it's plausible that they're going to be about as good as they were anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously it's a huge bummer. You never want to lose that quality of guy, quality of human. And really the biggest bummer, because I, I just looked it up. So the the preseason top five lineup that I had was, you know, Ziegler, Vescovy, Phillips, James, Kamwa. They got to play a total of 88 possessions together in the SEC this season, which is, you would have hoped it would have been triple that at minimum. And it's just, it didn't work out injuries wise. And it's been a, it's been that kind of year, but I, I agree. I think, you know, Tennessee is getting a little underrated, not just because we're graduates, but because, you know, They've had the close losses. They had buzzer beaters go against them. Mm. But, I mean, they're not number four as we speak in Ken Palm for no reason. They Mm. don't have the number one defense for no reason. They don't have wins over Kansas, Texas, Alabama, et cetera, for no reason. They're a good team in a year where there's not any, maybe Houston, elite teams. And so, I mean, yeah, it's a bummer. And I I don't think Tennessee's going to win the title or anything. But 
who's to say like they can't still make the final four you know Mm -hmm. it's the number four team in america i agree um and i'm interested to see how they handle uh the next two weeks gearing up for the tournament do they play a bunch of like this barns go one way which is be extra cautious where you're like, I don't want to lose another guy, uh, important piece to injury before the NCAA tournament. Or do you look at it as like, we're going to have to play some lineups. Cause he did that on Tuesday where he had to play some lineups that he never played at all this mm-hmm. year. And I forgot one I wrote down where I'm like, I don't think we've seen this at all this year. And I don't remember which one it was, it was like Meshack. I want to say it was like Meshack, Adu. Um, let's see. It was Meshack, Adu, Tobey, uh, Kamwa and, maybe Vescovy. It was something like that where I'm like, I don't think I've seen this this year. I don't think he's done that, but um, yeah, I think he's going to be, uh, I think he's, we're going to see some lineups, but I'm just curious to see what he does. Does he like maximize those time, those possessions, like getting those ramped up for um, the NCAA tournament where it's like, all right, Ziegler's not in the fold anymore. We're going to have a lot of lineups that have not played together uh, very often this season. I need to get them as many reps with each other yeah. as humanly possible. I can't take my foot off the gas and uh, just take the tournament lightly. The the interesting thing for obviously they've still got one regular season game you know yeah. at Auburn, the thing I've been I mean a lot of people are like oh Auburn's desperate they got to get in the tournament, and so whenever you see the term must win game, mm. it is worth remembering that it's a must win game because that team is not very good in the first place. Mm. If it, if they were good, this wouldn't be a must win game. They'd be in the tournament, right? Right. <laughs> and so I, I don't know. I think obviously Auburn's going to have some desperation, but situationally you i mean i don't really know that tennessee benefits all that much but mm. you know auburn one last day of rest just played an extremely emotional road game against their biggest rival where they lost in overtime um a game that would have locked them fully in the NCAA tournament mm. and so you you wonder like how much juice they've got left and really tennessee kind of matches up pretty well with them on paper of course you don't know about the game but i mean it's an Auburn team that struggles with turnovers against the best defense in the nation and an Auburn team that struggles with defensive rebounding against a top five offensive rebounding team in the nation. So we'll, we'll see. But Tennessee kind of quietly has a chance to build a little momentum as they head into Nashville here on a Saturday. For sure. Um, what if Indiana wins the Big Ten tournament, Will? Where do you think their seeding winds up? What happens to Indiana? It's going to be a really rough go of it on Twitter if they win the Big Ten tournament. Uh, it's not really the question. It's they're, either they're, them or Purdue is the favorite, right? Their their irony pilled fans are awesome. Uh, the super serious fans brutal. Mm. Uh, it's the reverse of every fan base actually. Mm. Um, but so I would peek them out, and this is just based on you know the bracketologists I trust, like Lucas Harkins at Heat Check or uh, my man Bracketville. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems the highest they can get is a three if they win the Big Ten tournament, which is about fair, like given who they would have beaten then. Because it's uh, so their last game left is Michigan on Sunday, and then you assume you've got to beat like a Purdue or an I don't know, like a Northwestern or Iowa level team at least once, if not twice, to get mm-hmm. to the final or to win it all. So, uh, I mean, they're they're going to have a chance to build a resume, but uh, four is most likely. They, they're they a really interesting team on the whole because metrics don't like this team. Hmm. Uh, 28th Ken Palm, 31st Torvik. Uh, but it is relatively easy to explain. So they're, they're above 500 Big Ten, I think 11 and 8. Pretty solid-ish resume on the whole. Hmm. Uh, the problem is that they rank 8th in scoring margin in Big Ten play. They are hmm. barely 
barely above water in terms of uh, points for versus points against. Hmm. And uh, they've played a tougher schedule than like Maryland or Rutgers, but even schedule adjusted numbers have them as the fourth best team in the league. And that includes being behind MSU and Michigan. Uh, I would like to buy in on them because, Mm. you know, Trace Jackson Davis, blast to watch. Mike Woodson's super crazy facial hair that just gets thicker every day. Really enjoy enjoy that. Um, I don't know. I hate to say it, but if they were like a three or a four seed and I was the six or the five, I'd be quite happy because I don't know if they're going to get there. I don't know if I'm going to have to play them. I mean... They're not a bad team by any means, but at some point the numbers are the numbers. And it's the numbers just weird too totally because good. it's like three seeds amazing, and where they've been and where Archie like they've tried so many guys to mm-hmm. get back to Hoosier basketball, and I think Woodson's done the best job in a really really long time, and it's still just like mm, I want to play them come tournament time. It still just doesn't feel legit, legit. Yeah, and it, it's funny. So this team, twentieth and Ken Palm, the Archie COVID year team was thirty fourth. Mm-hmm. They would have been about like a 10 seed or so. But it's because this team wins close games and that team did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this team is going to be a three or a four seed while that one, you know, could have potentially been in the first four had that tournament happened. Man. So it's just, it's all in the swing of it. And of course, this year's weaker at the top. So that helps them. For sure. Um, what gives here? Uh, well, Arizona, th- when they lost Arizona State, which was your just worst case scenario uh see oh i just i i think i sent you just bobby hurley's reaction to the bench uh behind him so i'm clear it it seems likely that those arizona fans have been saying stuff to hurley in that bench all game long and he enjoyed that game winner but arizona with that loss it was their fifth to a team ranked in the uh 50th or below in the net this year why has arizona been weirdly bad against bad teams well, I wouldn't even call it like bad team. I think part of the problem is that the Pac-12 as a whole, outside of the top two teams, is quite nasty this year. Mm. UCLA and Arizona are really, you know, carrying the load for the rest of the conference. I mean, the only other team that you know looks, you know, I would say above like what sixty percent to get in is USC, and even then, they're probably one bad loss away from being in trouble. Mm. Um, so I think. It kind of goes back to how unfair it is for like the one bid league teams in a way where like mm-hmm. if you play 150th best over and over and over, like eventually something's going to go wrong. But I would say it's been really notable uh, how it goes wrong for Arizona this year um, for and this is not like related to efficiency. It's just, you know, how well you do on the boards. Four of their five losses have come against top 100 offensive rebounding teams. Mm hmm. Uh, and all five of their losses have come in games where they've lost either the turnover or the rebounding battle, as well as you know, hmm. all five, they've lost the shooting battle. They, they don't really produce, for such a good team, they don't produce much shot volume. Mm. Not very good defensively, of course. They have the shooting on most nights, but the thing about you know most nights is it's not all nights. We mm-hmm. saw last year, they you know on a normal shooting night, you probably beat Houston, you go to the Elite Eight. Mm. But they didn't shoot well, and they didn't rebound or prevent turnovers well enough to get extra chances, which is what Houston does, you know, twenty four seven, and that's you know that gives them that higher floor in those low shooting nights. And so, the the problem I see with them, and you're kind of seeing it foretold in these losses: mm. negative turnover margin in the season, just good, not great at rebounding, and a bad defense. Mm. Uh, I looked it up in the little database I have. Uh, 
you know, because I have lost the ability to uh, have a normal life at this point. Same here, man. Yeah. Uh, um, so 20 top four seeds last 20 years. Mm. Uh, sub 50 defense, negative turnover margin. One made the final four. Hmm. And they had Dwayne Wade on the roster. So that was almost that was exactly 20 years ago was the last time a team overcame all that to get through. So hmm. uh, I'm going to need to see something from Arizona in these, this next week, whether it's better turnover prevention, more aggressive defense, or just better work on the boards. Because if, if they can't provide the shot volume, whether on offense or preventing it on defense to overcome an off shooting night, I don't know if they can sustain it for four games in the tournament or further. That's fair. Um, when it comes to Villanova, there's a really good piece like Dana O'Neill, who's one of my favorite uh, college basketball writers over at The Athletic. Um, she had a piece. Um, she spent a lot of time with uh, Kyle Neptune uh, at Villanova. And it felt like they were kind of turning the corner when she spoke. I think they won one or two games in a row. I forgot which point in the year that she talked to him. And Justin Moore's back. And that's been like an under-talked about part of all of this. Is like they lost their best player to a really gruesome injury last year. Mm-hmm. And that makes taking over a new job hard when you already out of the gate don't have your best player Dixon's hitting threes again you look at this group I mean they blow out Creighton a really good Creighton team that we both like it's starting to feel like they won five of six following that win I think Villanova is figuring some stuff out uh what has changed with Villanova and if they were to run the gauntlet in the Big East tournament and win it are they sneaky dangerous with a healthy Justin Moore and company come tournament time? Maybe. Um, I, I like this Villanova team and what they figured out. You know, I, I don't think that they're, they've got like a special formula necessarily. Like they're still kind of what they always were. They're actually on track to, I think, tie their record they set last year for free throw percentage. They're at mm. 82.9, as I uh, looked earlier, which is insane. I don't think at the gym, I think my record is 88 out of 100. Hmm. Uh, and that was like a perfect day at the gym. It's usually like 70, 75, 80. Is Tennessee um, just like the reverse of that 28? Do we get 28% for Tennessee on the year? I think, well, Tennessee shot 68% on uh, Tuesday. I was like, okay, hmm. not bad. <laughs> Villanova is <laughs> like doing acceptable. laps all day long. If you go anywhere near 60%, it's like another lap. What are we doing? <laughs> But uh, so Villanova, you know, I, I think having Justin Moore back obviously helps. Like he's been their second best player since he came back. Eric mm-hmm. Dixon's kind of turned into the star of sorts. Mm-hmm. But uh, a good part of this is just like they're better at preventing turnovers than they were before he came back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, better at avoiding fouls. Been generally a little better defensively as on the whole, like still not what I would expect from Villanova, but mm-hmm. they're at least tolerable on defense now. And I, I, you know, I think adding, you know, more back, who's not like an elite defender by any means, but as at least, you know, it's better than playing, you know, the Archie Diacono kid or mm-hmm. whatever uh, out there. So um, I, I think, you know, that helps. They've played like a low end top 40 team since Moore came back. When he was out, it was more like top 90. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, but the funny thing about this and about the Big East this year is so they went from playing like the seventh best Big East team when he was out to the fifth best Big East team now. So hmm. it's not like a huge jump, but looks like they're going to be sixth seed in the Big East tournament. And the good news about that, uh, well, the bad news, you got to play an extra game. The good news, hmm. the extra game is Georgetown. So free <laughs> win. 
Patrick Ewing has passed away of dysentery uh, from the Oregon Trail. And um, you're going to follow that likely, not for sure, but likely with uh, Providence in the mm-hmm. quarters. And Providence has kind of quietly lost their close game luck that mm-hmm. everyone told you was unsustainable. And guess what? It was. Um, thank God. I think they're going to have a pretty decent shot at a Big East semifinal run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if it's not Providence, it's not like Creighton is unbeatable. They just beat Creighton. Mm-hmm. So either, and yeah, they got swept by Providence, but yeah, third time you get a third, you get a third chance to beat somebody. You'd hope you could you know, take advantage. So mm-hmm. uh, I would enjoy seeing them make it to Saturday, Friday, sorry, Friday. Mm-hmm. I got it mixed up and, uh, take on like Xavier with mm. nothing to lose. That would be pretty entertaining to see, you know, a healthy Villanova because, you know, if, if they get in the tournament and it's not to say they will, but it's, you know, if they do probably 11 seed or so feels about right. Hmm. And if you're a six seed and it's like, I got healthy Villanova on the other side, you're sweating a little, right? Mm-hmm. Like I it's not, so. it's not to say like you could, it's not the worst possible draw you could get, but it's not a good one. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, is Jay Ladner a sneaky, intriguing fit for the old Miss job? Well, no. Mm. Um, I like Jay Ladner quite a bit, and I think mm. he has finally turned it around at um, Southern Miss. Mm. The problem is that you're if you were to hire him like today, mm. you would be hiring a guy who is forty nine and seventy one at his current job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the three years before this one, and obviously this year has been amazing. You win the, the Sun Belt, but three mm. years before this one, 13th, 14th, 14th in a 14 team conference, um, and a total of 10 conference wins, mm-hmm. um, 22, 17, 26 losses. And he's, he's gotten, you know, better, but my problem here with hiring him would be you run into a little bit of the Mel Tucker syndrome. Hmm. where you you i mean no qualms about it he demolished the portal this year every hmm. single good player he got in his team he got in the portal on the off season can you do that two years in a row and bat a thousand it's really hard to hmm. you know sustain that so my preference for them and the the name that had kind of gotten buzz initially is dusty may at florida atlantic mm-hmm that you know you kind of need in through no fault of jay ladner's own he's 58 Mm -hmm. Uh, and he is a southern miss alum for the record yep so i wonder if he would just like prefer to stay anyway Mm -hmm. but dusty may younger pretty fun style of basketball you know you can kind of go with the whole thing of like oh the last time we heard a conference usa coach didn't go so well but uh dusty may and kermit davis are very different individuals Mm. and i think he would be much more of a fit there Mm. And uh, a lot more energetic than uh, than Kermit is. So, yeah, uh, I could see that. And the the real rooting interest for me is that they just don't hire Chris Beard. To be honest, I don't. Maybe I'm too optimistic. I don't think Beard's going to get a job this cycle. I, I think he will. Do you the, really? The the thing is that he he for a couple of people in the quote no he either rents or owns a house in Southern Mississippi, hmm. and that is the reason he's being rumored for all this. Hmm. Man, I don't but know. The, I the other, happen. the other one to watch, strangely enough, that I have heard uh, is one William Wade. Uh, if he doesn't get a show cause, well, when does that get settled? Do we know? 
Um, probably 2040 at this pace, <laughs> given the NCAA's general way of working. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, yeah, there's not, it's just not a great job. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. the sad part is like, it doesn't matter who you hire. Like, I don't think we, you and I see a path to Ole Miss basketball being good sustainably. No, that's the thing is they have the SEC money, but so does yeah. everyone else in the SEC. Mm. You're, I mean, you're not like, you're not really making any waves there. And so I, I, I would kind of prefer it as a neutral in this situation for Dusty to stay at FAU mm -hmm. um, because it just kind of feels like there's more opportunity to build that within the, the CUSA than there would be to somehow build Ole Miss into something that's never been before. Yeah. Um, your favorite buzzer beater over the last week in college basketball was what? Well, all of them because they didn't happen against Tennessee, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, which uh, it's so for me three. Um, all of, but it did seem like there were five hundred of them last. It weekend, felt like right? over the last week. That's why I asked you this. I feel like there were a lot. There were a lot, a lot. So, and I went through that NCAA buzzer beaters account mm. um, like Sunday. It was after the Hunter Dickinson buzzer mm. beater. And I counted, including that one, and there had been 18 in the previous 48 hours. And I was like, this is not, like, normal, right, mm -hmm. surely? And so I, I would say, number one, Caitlin Clark, mm -hmm. wonderful to potentially mm -hmm. walk off your home court in that fashion, uh, as good of a player as she is. Mm -hmm. I mean, all-time iconic moment. Number two, the Joel Embiid one that didn't count. Yes. He's Insane done that twice, by the shot. way. Insane shot. He's done I, that, it twice. That thing came out with like a four degree launch angle and was perfect. That yeah. was a line drive. Uh, and it, it was a beautiful shot. Mm -hmm. um, number three out of bias, Hunter Dickinson, because that mm. shot, when I saw it launch, was like, that's going into row two. Mm -hmm. The way, I mean, that's like a, I mean, he's like a solid shooter, but he's mm. not elite or anything. But I think the, the like objective winner is probably that Arizona State one, right? Mm because it, it with what it means to them like being able to potentially now I mean I just checked bracket matrix and they're in the field as of now hmm. tell you what real sickos here when the current final first four game and I promise this is true mm -hmm. Arizona State Wisconsin please God put Utah State in instead uh, instead of either of those teams at least uh, Utah State's very fun to watch Wisconsin, mm. Uh, I don't, it's like watching somebody throw a piano off the top of a building. It may be fun for you. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, not for me. I, uh, no, that piano has got a lot of tunes in it, man. Ugh. That's, I don't even want to think about that. Um, <laughs> last thing before we do our stats, uh, the week here, I thought it was hilarious. You know, what's funny to me. It's like certain people on Twitter, the hand ringing over, the Fran McCaffrey um, stare down with the official, which I've watched no less than four D times <laughs> over the last week. Objectively hilarious. It's funny. Like anyone who was like just a terrible look for Fran. I'm like, disagree. That is actually one of the better ways to go about it because we see so many coaches in this league just scream and scream at these officials and never get teed up and we're like what more do they have to do to actually get teed up and i'm not going to name a certain sec coach or i'm like i don't understand why this coach does not get teed up ever um and then you know like, <laughs> it would be really interesting if that coach chased a referee across mm -hmm. the whole court on tuesday night during a timeout and did not get a technical you can 
uh, put one. Uh, you, you, folks. It would be really interesting if he was tweeting out McDonald's hamburgers and then <laughs> lost 11 games in a season. Um, but all that being said, folks, you don't have to have the take of like bad luck by Fran, intimidation, and this, that, and the other. I'm like, the, there no. should be a Twitter bot that yes uh, captures all of the or like just runs the the or like some sort of search. It's like Fran McCaffrey bad for basketball mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's the wrong take, folks. As the take police, Will and I uh, will uh, be the <laughs> arbiter here. It was objectively hilarious. This is an entertainment sport. And Fran just putting his hands on his hips like that and just staring at this man's soul. And the dude, like, it looked like the officials, like, try not to laugh because it's Mm. objectively hilarious. Like, this man's just staring at him. He's not yelling at him. He's just, like, it's like the dad who's just so, he's not even mad. He's just disappointed. Like, he just Mm. looks and he's like, I I got nothing for you. Like, I I wish I could (laughs) yell at you. But what you've done is so bad and so disappointing that I'm just actually going to let you sit with it. I'm just going to stare at you and sit with it. It's delightful. Uh, folks, don't ever think it. That's delightful. But then you also had, on the flip side, the women's basketball team. I think this is how it goes, right? We were texting about this. Iowa basketball coaches with attitude. I, I mm-hmm. like this. It's a, it's a fun identity for them, don't you think? F- famous guy with attitude, Kirk Ferentz. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I have to assume like their other coaches have some attitude too. But mm-hmm. The the so if if people had been watching, I wish they would have because it was an amazing game. Mm-hmm. The Indiana Iowa women's game on Sunday. So before the Caitlin Clark buzzer beaters, there's this call where Mackenzie Holmes of Indiana draws a, a foul. She clearly travels first, mm-hmm. and Lisa Bluter, who's Iowa's uh, head coach, is losing her mind at the official for good mm-hmm. reason. Uh, but. I can't remember the exact thing of it. I have to look it up on video, but I'm remembering them going to the monitor to check how much time was left. And she just walks over and she says, you effing suck at the ref, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, uh, if only it were Pat Adams. But anyway, um, Fran and Lisa together at the same school is like a, it's a little too powerful. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when South Carolina had Frank Martin and Don Staley. Because mm. it's like Don Staley, very, I mean, amazing coach, extraordinarily intense personality on the sideline. Mm. Um, generally incapable of chill on the court, which is, I mean, she's wonderful both on and off, but she is crazy intense on the sidelines. And mm. Lisa Bluter looks like a librarian, but is, in, I mean, same thing. Extremely intense, wonderful head coach, too. Mm. Um, I, whatever they got going on at Iowa really fascinates me in general because. Something about the 2000s shaped their online fan base in a way that makes them far and away the most charming fan base on the internet. Hmm. Like, wonderful people to interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're so kind on there, but their coaches look like a couple <laughs> of the meanest people in the world. I love it. We love to see it. Uh, Will, as we wrap up here today, your stats uh, or stat of the week is what? Uh, so... I've got a stat of the week. I, I'll save my prediction for the tournament because it was Fran related. Mm. Um, but stat that has caught my eye. So since New Year's Day, what team has won the most games in all of college hoops? Kansas? It's not Kansas. It's a mid-major team. And they are in the tournament more years than not as of late. They're in the tournament more years than not of late. What uh, part of the country are we talking about? Northeast. Vermont? 
It is Colgate. Colgate. Colgate is the only team as of the time of recording with 16 wins in the 2023 calendar year. Hmm. And they're probably going to get 17 uh, tonight as they play, you know, mid 300s Ken Palm team, Loyola, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Best team in the Patriot League. Don't totally know like what seed they're in line for. I would imagine like a 14. But it's the same team as everybody remembers. Number one, three-point percentage. Number 12, two-point percentage. Demolished Syracuse earlier this season. Mm -hmm. Very fun team to watch as long as your team is not playing them from experience. So Hmm. um, I don't know. Colgate's in this Patriot League tournament. I think it wraps up middle of next week. I'm really Mm -hmm. rooting for them to get that auto bid. What's the farthest they've gone in the tournament? Uh, zero wins. They have never made it to the round of 32. I remember they played Syracuse close one year. Is that what I remember? They played Tennessee close one year, and that They'd... was stressful two and a half hours. Yeah. Man, um, they have zero tournament wins, though. Yeah, they uh, hmm. well, they played Wisconsin very well last year and went down hmm. to the wire, uh, but they've only made it, I think, five times ever is the thing. Okay. But even so, I mean, like, very good program. I'm... Waiting for my guy, Matt Langle, if he wants it to get a bigger job. Because he's been at Colgate for 13 seasons now. Syracuse might open up soon. That's what I'm saying. I really I, I want him to get it. I'm sure they're going to hire like whoever Bayheim approves. But mm-hmm. um, Greg he's Paulus? just a great coach, man. Who says no? Greg Paulus, next Syracuse basketball coach? It's going to be uh, old uh, Jerry McNamara, apparently. Mm. Is it really? Is that like the coach in waiting? That's that's what uh, people if they, they say if it's going to be a Bayheim approved hire, it's him. Hmm. Which what may, I mean, he's thirty nine, so he's quite young. Hold on, Jerry McNamara is thirty nine. I don't. That like run him. they made was in two thousand six. We are. I old. don't like hearing stuff like this. I don't like hearing Jerry <laughs> McNamara is nearing forty. I don't know. I don't like knowing that it's almost time for Jerry McNamara's first colon colonoscopy. Like I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't need to know that. Uh well that's that's upsetting. That's it's very upsetting. Um well this was uh this was awesome. As usual, sir, we can read you on uh Substack. That's mm-hmm. what I will. Dot substack.com. New pieces each and every day. You're just cranking them out, man. Now twelve dollars uh for a year if you sign up before March thirty first, which is quite the steal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and it goes but... to twelve hundred dollars a year after that so make sure that you get in before then yeah twelve hundred dollars and uh you're forced to watch the star wars prequels on loop for 24 hours if you sign Mm. up after march 31st what how would you rank them in order i don't remember anything about them to be honest i'm not Mm. a big star wars guy but i do remember owning what is the first prequel it's 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 episode one right Mm? What, what is it called phantom menace so did you ever get the McDonald's plates with the Phantom Menace on them? It, they're, I'll look them up. I'll send them in our chat. But okay. they had these like promo plates for the movie. Mm. And they are still at my grandmother's house to the point that when I went a month ago, I had breakfast off of the Phantom Menace plate, which is now 24 years old. <laughs> That's incredible. It, it's it's remarkable. Maybe it wasn't Phantom it's one of the it's what's the second one uh clone wars attack of the clones what? okay attack I, of the clones. Say, I thought that yeah. was a uh, isn't that a tv show it is but yeah attack of the clones it's attack of the clones is what i'm thinking mm. of okay but either way 20 plus years that plate has survived hmm. 
Are you a Lord of the Rings guy? Or are you a Harry Potter guy? Game of Thrones? None of that, uh, really? Are you not sci-fi? I read all or the Harry, Harry Potter, Potter books when I was younger. I liked them a lot when I was... I don't really approve of J.K. Rowling now, but mm -hmm. I, I liked the books a lot when I was younger. Movies are all right. Um, I kind of tuned out after number three, to be honest. Wow. The movies are exceptional, Will. The the third one is by far the best to me. I, I love the third one. Third one's very good. Prisoner of Azkaban is very good. I remember... Um, Lord, Lord of the Rings... Okay, I, I like them fine, but the, the cult around it is a little much for me. Not a Lord of the Rings guy. I mean, it's not even close for me anymore, like as an adult, like Game of Thrones and House of Dragon and all that. Like, I just gobbled, like, the amount of time I spent with those books and uh, all that. I'm I'm sneaky. I don't think people would realize that, but I'm in, like... So, is it over here? It might be in the... Um, no, I guess it's in my other room. Um, I'm looking for the books, but I have, like, the... Um, canon star wars books did you know you could actually like people have written it's not like fan fiction but it's like fan books like in between the different movies and like different stuff but it's all like they have to follow like a certain model so that the stories make sense because they're written by different authors but i i've read several of those they're good i that's probably one of the nerdier things about me is like i'm really into reading stuff like that <laughs> interesting okay i sent you the star wars plate i finally found it and it is episode one it's, it's okay. really exciting very visual where'd you podcast, send it uh to your phone oh okay let me see it all right this is great uh podcast needs to wrap up here today because it's I a see it's this. one it's a pod racing uh plate oh yes i'd never had these but i know exactly what you're talking about huh and maybe i maybe it wasn't mcdonald's but i we still own all three because it came in a three piece there you go. They just must be really great material that they're lasting for. They 20, have to be. Right? I mean, they're faded, of course. Like, you, you can barely read out the names. But, mm. yeah, they still hold up after all that time. But not going in the dishwasher, right? Like, those are hand-washing. Yeah, hand-washed. Absolutely. Nah. Are I you a dishwasher guy or do you hand-wash everything? A dishwasher, usually. Yeah. Hand-wash some things. I, I, I'm actually afraid to ask my grandmother if she puts these in the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to know. <laughs> I have something else I'll say about that, but all fair. <laughs> so that's how I will. Follow my Twitter, read the Substack, all the good stuff, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.